Hello and welcome to the DM's Book Club, a podcast where we read about some Dungeons and Dragons and discuss how we might include it in our role-playing campaigns. With me back again, I think second time, third time? Number two. Number two is my good friend D. D, how are you, my friend? Hello, I am doing very well. I am a little bit husky, maybe have a mild cold, but I'm grateful it's just a cold and not, you know, the big deal. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, last time we talked about, well, we talked about loads of things, but we talked about like a quiet year and other other ways to tell cool storytelling things and using other systems, which is, you know, I'm a big fan of those systems and a, a big fan of using different systems to create stuff. And yeah, how to play better games, I think was your general sort of tagline for that episode. Oh, I don't want to be arrogant about it, but there's so much great material out there. It seems a shame just to stick to the one discipline when you can drag stuff from everyone else. Exactly. Well, we'll get straight into it. D, what are we talking about today? What is our topic of choice? I think I'm right in saying that this is the second class-focused episode you're doing. Is that right? Uh, we've done a couple, but this is the uh, but this is the first time we're doing a class that I have pretty much no knowledge about at okay. all. So this is my favourite class of all time, and I've played a bunch of them, and I'm. I'm going to come for Hamilton a little bit with the rogues because they are like, you know, rogues. They're super versatile. They've got so many bonus actions. They can do all of this stuff. I'm sorry, my friends, but no, just no. <laughs> Versatility, some bonus actions, the ability to get up to huge degrees of shenaniganry that push your DM into very new and wild creature spaces. Druids. You're talking about druids, not rogues. <laughs> Druids, so good, you even don't need your rogue. Like, you can just completely displace them wow. and fire them. You can leave them at the inn and just take your druid instead. That's how I feel about druids. A bold, a bold claim there that you don't need rogues, all you need is a druid. Incredible. So, all right, Dee, you seem very passionate about druids. Why is that? Like, you said you played a few of them. What is it that initially attracted you to the druid class? So I've, I've got two, three main things that go into this. So one of them is my actual discipline. I'm a trained environmental scientist. I kind of, I love all of that stuff. The second thing is I grew up in a bit of England, I'm originally Welsh, but I grew up in a bit of England called the Fens, which is this big, open, wild, super agricultural space. And when I grew up, it was mostly empty and weird and super haunted in every way that you might imagine. And it had almost no people in it. So that, that gave me this kind of feeling about you know, being part of the natural world that I, I love my sea injuries. And the other thing that I love about them is they're both an invitation to a player to go quite far beyond what D&D normally lets you do with character creation and a challenge for the DM because you can't, you can't play a druid and not open up some questions by the way a world is built. Mm, that's really interesting. Yes, because the druids, obviously, their big thing is obviously they're connected to nature, they're connected to the the old faith, the sort of gods and stuff like that. So, yeah, to play a druid in your camp, you know, if, if you're doing that as a DM, you will have to properly think about. I mean, you'd probably think about pantheon stuff anyway, but like like you said, the nature and maybe the environment a little bit more as well. So it's an interesting. One. I, I'm going into this, this sort of episode saying like. I've always had this aversion, and I'm going to say aversion to druids because it's one thing when you look at them and you're just like, there's so much stuff. What if I get it wrong? I'm just, it's overwhelming for new players. It's definitely something I always warn off players from playing them first, which is probably a shame because obviously I have had no experience with it. So I probably have no authority to say don't play it as your first character. I'm intrigued and I'm actually looking forward to for you to change my mind, which you will do very easily because I love DD and I love talking to you about DD and I love people being passionate about it. So let's, let's start with it. So, D, what is a druid? <laughs> like, Because again, I know many people out there, like myself, will have a certain opinion of what a druid is yeah. and what it sort of looks like from the way it's been portrayed in media and the way maybe some people have played it on streams as well. So, so about about the way it's portrayed in media, I'm gonna I'm gonna come in bold on this one. A lot of folks, when they think druids, they've got one of two. Well, they've got like a certain image in their mind, and it's yes. often. You know, like you've got a big staff in your hand, you've got plants in your beard or your hair and like small animals at your command. It's a little bit Disney princess. And that's not just fine. I would urge new druids to lean into that incredibly hard. About three of the characters in Encanto are all druids. Yes. I don't even need to go anywhere. Like the film that everyone has seen in the last few months and everyone loves, it's got three druids in it. Three. But... That's just one image, and that's just one place you can go to with this stuff. So you can go to Puffer Flowers and Critters Room, but there's also a bit of a PR problem with mm. this field. So 
whenever anyone thinks about Merlin, they think wizard, but he wasn't a wizard. He was a druid. Druid. Mm-hmm. Very much a druid. If you watch Excalibur, uh, you get to see it, right? An incredible movie. You yeah. get to see him summon, like, fog, the dragon's breath fog out of the air to help Arthur do his business. It's very clear that, you know, the, the whole like swords in various bits of the natural world the natural world bit is as important as the sword is Mm -hmm. there's a lot of there's a lot of really great stuff around merlin if you want to go the comedy route you can obviously go back to asterix with getfix who is the the druid from that (laughs) Uh, if you want to go a little bit more high fantasy you've got both radagast and beyond from yes lord of the rings if you want to go cartoonish like full cartoonish you've got like 80s captain planet who is by our powers combined? Let's let's you know recycle. Um, <laughs> if you want to go contemporary, you can look at you know search and rescue and how that works, like park service forestry. Mm. If you want to go historical, you can uh, own Gondara and Harold the Wake, who was this big kind of rebel force in Fenland when it was mostly marshland when the Romans came, but also Boudicca to an extent. There's a lot there, but all of that is assuming you're coming in on at Druids on the quite light and fluffy, you know, very accessible end of the deal. And you don't have to. Just the last bit of this little roundabout theme is druids reframe a little bit what it means to be good or bad, Mm. because they're almost always not on the side of civilization or law, as you would write in books. Rules, sure, but not necessarily laws in books. Arnold Kay over at Goblin Punch has an incredible article about this, which I... I urge folks to read, and we can probably link in some kind of matter. But most witches in horror films are druids, like the Blair Witch is a druid. I'm not going to spoil the Yellow Jackets, but I'm going to mention it. You've got, like, The Wicker Man is a story about druids. Uh, Poison Ivy is clearly a druid. All of the creepy pasta around Search and Rescue is all about druids. Mm. And uh, Don Cheadle's Captain Planet, also a druid. <laughs> you can really go in either direction before you even hit the Lovecraftian stuff of straight out evil druidism with like Shubnagurath and the like. The idea of something so ancient as a nature, it talks about it being like, you know, it's in this very precarious balance. And yeah, you're right. These druids, they're not on the side of, of people or towns or anything like that. It is protecting and making sure this, this nature is in balance. So focusing on that aspect of it, well, you know, yeah, you said the critters and stuff, that's the fluffy side of it if you want to go down that route. But actually, you know, climate change is a big thing right now, as we all know. And that is such a powerful sort of theme to build into. And like, yeah, you've given so many examples of ways to do it. And I'm like, oh yeah, Brad, I guess the brown. Of course he's a druid. You know, like, and like, yeah, Merlin, it's, it's, it's interesting that you said, yeah, it's a bit of a PR problem where people just focus on that arts, oh, the one with the, where you could turn into animals. And it's such a shame because actually there's so much you can do. And yeah, as we'll go deep into this class, there's actually, as I suspected from being in, in games with them, there's a lot you can do, but that means such a lot of versatility and a lot of ways you can change it. You can probably go for a whole game or several games without even using your wild shape, just using you know using it for something completely different as we'll go into. Oh, I mean, you, you absolutely should use your wild shape, but um, which we'll get onto in a minute or two. But there is there is so much versatility. I think, I think druids maybe aren't, necessary that there is a lot to manage and there's a lot to to like consider when you're doing things in the moment as well as your kind of choices and character creation on the climate change front uh those of you who are familiar with contrapoints uh she has like a mother ocean style character who is obviously very much on the side of the natural order and is is in that kind of end of the deal but there's so much weird law you can tap into that even before you get to the magic even when you're in uh, like the languages you get access to, the skills you get access to, some feats. There's so many opportunities to tune your presentation and how you come across in the narrative. Well, let's quickly go on to like creating druids then in general. So obviously, as with all sort of D&D classes, it talks about when you're making druid, you've got to consider why your character has such a bond with nature itself. So again, this is a this perfect opportunity for the DM to have that think about like what about their world that they're building or the world they're running, what the nature of it, you know, is it is there climate change happening? Is there vastly different areas and stuff? Because obviously some of the later on the in some of the circles, you can get different kinds of dudes from other places. Cause they was talking of well, I can't remember where it was now, but they talked about the, the obviously the sacred plants and woods it sort of talks about yeah. as well. But then it talked about something that I didn't consider because again, I always assume druids are from 
forests and beautiful green places, but it talks about what if the druids were from different places that lacked plant life, so from the desert, so you could have cactus or, or Utica and stuff like that. And I'm just like, that would be amazing because I, I wouldn't, again, hadn't assumed that there would be druids out in the desert. And you think, yes, of course there would, because it's such a different landscape. So I quite liked how he talked about that. And I guess it would be a, a chance for you as a DM to read up on your plant life and your and your <laughs> and knowing all the woods and stuff like that. Because no doubt you're probably like, what is the landscape around me? Like, yeah, oh God, I've got to put a bit more of an effort into be like, it's not just a tree, it is a beautiful yew tree, <laughs> you know, all that sort of thing. The way you phrased that was like forests and beautiful green places. Mm. I've spent a little bit of time in Canada and I'm here to tell you that forests can be terrifying. Like yes. there's there's some real there's lots of different ways to take that. I think this question of like what's your what's your bond with the land? How does that work out for you? Like what's going on? I think there are some there are some givens. Like if anyone wanted to build the town in, you know, like on the Niagara Falls, you would be horrified with the tourist trap that is surrounding yes. it, almost certainly. Like there's some common things around druids in the main where mostly you're going to come at the thing from a particular position mm -hmm. but your methods and your goals are as varied as you know everyone who's ever argued for environmental protection or the beauty of natural spaces or any of this stuff so you can go from like beardy hairy trapper all the way up to like 60s flower child and you're mm -hmm. still in the same space no problem when you start asking those questions and you start kind of looking at the features you get and stuff when I said it's an invitation, there's 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 a couple of things there. Like, so you get druidic as a language. Mm. Like, it's pretty much the first feature that's listed, right? Outside yes. of the, the template, you get druidic. And that seems like it's a bit of a non-starter. It seems like, oh, cool, I get a language that I'm the only one in the party you can speak and no one else can. Great. Yeah. But first of all, it's very much an invitation for a good GM to have, like, secret druid conspiracies all over the place. 100%. Secondly, all those weird glyphs and abandoned cabins in the woods in any of these horror movies, druidic, oh, 100%. Yeah, 100%. Druidic. Yep, 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 yep. Like the weird little um, Blair Witch twig thing, that's a druidic sign. I don't, what? I'm sorry, it just really is. <laughs> but from a mechanical point of view, if you're going to do, if you're going to play that, you can order around some of your summons and no one's going to know what you've told them, which is mm. totally golden. So that's great because they almost, the ones that can speak languages almost always can speak your language and you're the only one who speaks druidic. So, it's great. You can totally go for that. Yeah, I um, love it. It's because obviously the sort of opposite would be like thieves cant or whatever. And I know everyone always goes on about it, but druidic, actually thinking about it, yeah, you could leave messages for yourselves or all around. And it's just in the places that you wouldn't expect. Uh, yeah, I was like, oh, instantly when I read that, I was like, that is such a beautiful role play and flavor something to add for, to yeah. your world. A hundred percent. Like, why aren't more people talking about druidic? Everyone, druidic. Um, yeah. There's also a lean there, right? Like if you put down a message in whatever written version of thieves cant your campaign has, no one among thieves like you can't guarantee that whoever reads that is going to be on your side but if you put down a message in druidic if you tune it right you're pretty sure you've got an ally somewhere along that line yeah that's so cool like yeah because obviously because the druid sort of clans or circles as it were sort of they, they all spread out but they see each other as brothers and sisters and, and, and siblings and so they trust each other so leaving it there you know it's to help or will be like some sort of information. Yeah, I like that. As you have to be careful with it. There will be like differences in methodology. Mm -hmm. You only have to put, you know, a professor of earth science side by side with, you know, a saboteur, someone who, you know, embeds chunks of metal in trees so they can't get cut down, to realize that you're going to have some quite big differences of opinion. But then you get into skills, which I think is actually a bit higher than druidic. But it's it, there's an interesting thing there, mm -hmm. which is like, sure, your ranger's going to know what berries grow where and what's going to kill you. But what you know is, as a druid is bigger. Like, mm -hmm. you know about erosion, you know about currents, you know about wildfire and ecosystem dependency. You know about this scale that eclipses most of the things most of the rest of the party is going to be interested in. And that's kind of your job as a druid. It's not because you've got so much, so much you can do mm -hmm. in your class and the mechanics of it. Your job is kind of there to ask, okay, but what happens after that? Mm. the second order effect is very much where I feel like your nature skill comes in. But that's all a lot of opinions. So you also get religion, and or at least you can, and I would suggest you should, because the gods you've got a relationship with are as inhuman and often uncaring as they are holy. So mm. your, your cleric and your warlock have like clear contractual rules they abide by, and anyone could muddle through the right motions and words for Torm or whoever and not piss them off. But you're a lot more about kind of seasons and stones and, and vibes. So mm. only you're going to know the strange and odd proclivities of like, I don't know, the, like many fingered man and what exact offerings you have to mm. put down when you see one of their 
unpleasant totems. Only you're going to know that stuff. Yeah, that's sort of because it, it talks about the difference between you know, the, like you said, the worship in sort of the temples and to the outside. Thing. And again, what a cool role play thing that would be. Like if you did have someone in the party that was you know a cleric or a paladin or anything like that, and they go to the temples and stuff, and they're like. I, maybe there's an unspoken thing of like the other sort of temple folk that's just looking at the, the druid and be like, oh, you know, like the awkwardness around it, which I think would be beautiful as a sort of like, again, a sort of little bit of attention going, well, we we worship in different ways and haha, now please leave. Uh, is this what I yeah, see? Because yeah. be cool. When the druid walks into like a big building in a temple, if they even want to, yeah. they're like, okay, I understand the principle of how this works. And you could tell me in relatively short order what I would need to do to satisfy the rules of this place. Mm -hmm. But if you step into a circle of standing stones, the rules are written on the land. They're not a thing that you can communicate in the same way. It's a lot more vibes. So there's this information disparity between druids and between clerics, where clerics in D&D are often like about daily practice and yes. about like ritual that you conduct all of the time and you're living that, not out of habit, but with habits, with things that you build mm -hmm. up as foundations. But as a druid, it's like you're looking on your lifespan, looking on yeah, the bigger picture. Time. Yeah. Going on, then obviously you get spell casting, which we'll go into in, in general. It, it just because it's like most of the spell casting classes where you know you can prepare a list of the druid spells, you know, for every sort of long rest and choose some stuff. So it's that sort of thing, and that's the thing that frightens me because maybe I'm just not used to spell casters. But like that idea, like you have to prepare for the day. And you're like, okay, so I might need this, 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 and this, and then suddenly it's not like that because probably, <laughs> probably your rogue has has taken the money from the wrong person. You're like, no, oh, but all I've got is my lovely spells today. I don't have anything useful, and I say useful. Like I, I think all the spells you could easily do something with. But it's that sort of thing going, oh, I don't have water breathing right now. And yet if we're in this room that's filling up with water. So. <laughs> Hamilton so, you know, said, if you want to enjoy combat, play a rogue. But if you want to enjoy combat and everything else, play a druid. And I'll <laughs> tell you why. Yeah. Because even with a pretty basic spell selection, even mm -hmm. like Greece, like, which I don't know is on the druid spell list now, I think about it. But even with like pretty basic stuff, you can reshape the battlefield to your advantage and then take tupping liberties with that advantage. True. If you're doing a chase, if you're doing a fight, if you're doing whatever, suddenly have everything be mud is quite handy. Mm -hmm. and there's a lot you can do with that. And then starting at level two, you get the famous wild shape. So you can use your action to magically assume the shape of a beast that you have seen before. Uh, and you can use this feature twice and regain these uses on a, when you finish a short and long rest. So yeah, people will know this, that, you know, that most, it's that sort of cool thing where you can change into a creature that you've seen. And then you get the sort of the hit points of that creature and you get all sort of the general sort of stats for it, except for you keep your sort of alignment, your sort of the, the mental stats. You're not a, a mindless beast per se. You, you sort of are tactical. And this is, again, pretty good. What I didn't realize, though, is that you can only use it twice until level 20. And then it's like unlimited. Sure. But it's twice per short rest. So yes. while your wizard gets cranky without their beauty sleep, all you need is a cat nap and you're ready to go zoological on them. True, true. I just, I just, I expected it to do like at least, I don't know, like it goes from two to three to four or something like that, mm. rather than going from two to so. But then as we'll go on to, you get spells anyway. You get, there's a lot, you you are immeasurably overpowered. The, 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 the lower you go, you get so much for it. So it makes total sense that it's only two. And then it, when you get to level 20, it's like, oh, fuck it, we'll break the rules. You can do it <laughs> unlimited in times. It doesn't matter. No. No, it doesn't matter. Wrong about Greece. Had a quick check, but spike growth. Who cares? It's all good. Entangled. Yeah, same thing. Same thing. Phenomenal. So druids are one of the classes where, when you talk about them to power gamers, they're like, "Yeah, you don't need to multiclass. You just like stay the whole twenty. Yeah. It's great throughout. You're going to have a blast." Mm -hmm. uh, and you know, level eighteen, you become a broken, like a hundred percent broken. Beast spells is one of the most yeah. broken traits in the entire game. Timeless body, bit pointless, but who cares? You are beast spells. <laughs> yes. So timeless body, I'll just say, so the primal magic you wield causes you to age more slowly. So for every 10 years that pass, your body only ages one year. You're like, okay, great. I don't know why that's a level 18 feature, but fine. And then, But then also at level 18, you can cast as many spells, your druid spells, in the shape you assume whilst doing wild shape. So that's the thing. When you turn into your wild shape form, up until that point, you can't use any spells, which makes sense. But these ones, you can perform spells uh, somatic and verbal you can't do spells that require material ones but again you could like look them up beforehand and go okay these ones will work for when i'm doing my wild shape and that's yeah, again you see a, a tiger running towards you and it breathes fire you're like oh no <laughs> now Actually, that, that's a great prompt let's just ever so quickly yeah. pop into like two quick things so ever so fast first of all the spell selection for druids is 
and I mean this, uh, the pun is good, but it's wild. It's wild. You are one of the few classes that can genuinely put put a den in a dragon's day. Yeah. Like, you can stop them from flying, you can ground them, you can protect anyone against their breath weapon. You just are, like, the minute a dragon sees a druid coming, they should really just throw up their talons and be like, I'm done, I'm out. Like, this is terrible. Yeah, Matt's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Right. whoa. Let's not be hasty. Let's back up a second. Okay, so your race selection these mm-hmm. days is you can pretty much do whatever you like, and I love that. Mm-hmm. But then you've kind of got three or four like groups of things. Mm. So you can go the, the like the weird and mystical fey route with your, like your high elves and half elves, and if you want to get real fun, Kalashtar, which oh so good with wild shape, so good. If you want to go your kind of very natural. You know, in the natural world, you can go like obviously, you know, wood elves, but you can pick up hill dwarves, which make great druids. Burbolg oh, yes. are phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I love goblin druids. They're so much fun. They're so much fun. So but cute. you've got like Kenku, lizard folk, turtles. That's mm-hmm. all phenomenal. And there's a there's a charity one shot I can't remember the name of where Brennan Lee Melgan plays a warforged mostly druid, which is <gasps> an incredible character. Amazing. I call Mossbrow, but. Dragonborn make really good, yes. really good druids. It's bonkers that people, not many more people do use Dragonborns. Like you said, they pretty much go towards the fae-like creatures. And you're like, but Dragonborns would be amazing. The reason I don't vibe, I don't jam with like Dragonborn druids personally is because... I like they feel like they're opposite ends of the spectrum. Like yeah. dragons have got this like big arcane beast. They're masters of magic. They're natural world kind of, but they're more magic than they are anything else. And like I say, as a druid, you're one of the few people who can step up to them and be like, I don't think so. <laughs> so there's a there's a mismatch there. But it's really hard to pass up a tiger who can breathe fire. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, or ice or yeah. any of these things. Yeah, why wouldn't you at least try it? Definitely for a one shot. I can imagine it being pretty fucking cool. And yeah, I love those. It, I obviously was recent ones with the. Folk with the Feywild stuff, obviously you could go Owlin, you could have Heragons, that sort of thing. Again, anything that's sort of uh, animal-based as a druid would make sense, quotation marks, but it just, like, you could just add to that, that sort of, uh, like, they are part of nature, they are part of the, the wild, and it's getting away from that whole sort of, like, uh, it's a, a person that went out into the forest and then never came back and is now, like, living there, you know, it's, it is someone who's already been part of the forest, which should be pretty, pretty cool. And just to quickly mention, yeah, the Arch Druid, so at level 20, you can use your wild shape unlimited number of times. Then it goes, oh, that verbal somatic components, just ignore those and material. Just any spells. So I like how you get the beast spells at level 18, and then at level 20, it's like, ah, just kidding. No bother. Yeah. Two short levels later, and you are in everything all of the time. It makes me think that these spells should be a little bit earlier, but then you're already like, by the time you're level 20, you're like, well, sod it. You don't need any of these things. But I just thought that was quite funny. It's like two levels later, you're like, nah, kidding. <laughs> you're, you're done now. You're using all your spells. Don't worry about it. It is proper broken, which is is, is madness. Particularly, actually, you know, let's let's get into let's get into wild shape. Let's let's get properly. Let's get let's get into wild shape. Okay. Before you do anything else. You don't even necessarily need to go Circle of the Moon to reap all of the rewards that Wild Shape gives you because it's just a bucket of extra hit points, just yes. a massive bucket of them, which is never bad. So even if all you're doing is turning into a bear so you can muscle through the Hall of Blades, TM, while your second skin gets torn to ribbons instead of your first one, no one else can do that. Yeah. Like You can just shed hit points like it's rain and not care. It's <laughs> It's... Incredible. It's incredible. So that's that's thing number one, is there are things that will slow down your other party members, traps your rogues would have to disarm, that you could just muscle through and not care about. And not worry about it. Yeah, absolutely. Even before you get to, like, what is it, fourth level, and you start getting extra mobility. Mm -hmm. And that is just... I mean, I cannot tell you how many times I've given a DM a terrible day by entirely reshaping how you can come at an encounter mm-hmm. you've got i mean even before you get to swim and fly speeds mm-hmm. you've got access to climb and burrow mm-hmm. because you've got badgers who burrow you've got spiders who have perfect climbing I mean, yeah so you can go pretty much anywhere pretty much at any time from fourth level and on no yep. real struggle at all you are the like the full armed services and you can be sneaky about it too. You can be a sneaky little critter on land with spiders or rats. You can do it by air with owls. You can do it underwater with octopuses. Rogues might have great stealth, but you do not need it. You are mm. entirely not dependent on the stealth skill. You can go anywhere, see anything, just hang out. 
just hanging. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, because so the, the main thing with the sort of not vanilla, but sort of the normal wild trip, if you don't go uh, circle of the moon, which we'll go on to, the highest challenge rating you can get is level one. But that is a whole bunch of, like you said, like, you know, eagles, crocodiles, wolves, rats, all these places that can go, go. Yeah, exactly. Rats are the best because they're always unassuming, except for the smart rat that's taking notes on a little notepad. It's like, oh no, it deceived me and then runs oh, away. Just being an animal of any kind is enough to pull some very real espionage bullshit. Like mm. if you're if you're doing the classic, you know, go rescue the royal, great, just sub your druid out their horse. Job done. Mm-hmm. If you want to scout any incoming of any kind with zero risk, do they have dogs? You've got a dog, great, job done. Got like keen smell that allows you to track it, like things or people. That's all before poison on tap, before grapples by the tentacle load, before just being friggin' sinister as a giant vulture. Like this is the, the access you get to just having some real role-playing upfuckery. You know, pure shenaniganry is almost unparalleled. Let's face it, if you do want to go Circle of the Moon, not only at sixth level do all of your attacks become magical, which is crazy, but a short four levels later and you've got elemental wild shape, Mm. which means you can be on the murder side of every murder mystery ever written. Like, you want to drown someone miles away from an ocean? You can do that. You want to burn someone's castle to a crisp? Absolutely no problem at all. You can just go 100% hog wild and have a blast. I love the uh, elemental wild ship. So yeah, you burn both versions of it to become an elemental of some sort. Like, I, that's so bloody cool. I, I didn't even know you could do that. That's such a cool little feature. I do want to very briefly talk about multi-classing because a lot of people like don't do that. And mm-hmm. uh, right, you know, getting to 20th level is is a lot. Um, and maybe you do want to do it because it's it's super fun. So thousand forms at 14th level, circle of the main. Great. Couple of levels in Warlock and you can pull some disguise nonsense anyway. And also, you know, Warlock Druid is a fun combo. That's some proper real witchy nonsense. Mm-hmm. There are two specific multi-classes I just want to mention. Please. So the the first one I've done I've done a lot. And it's it's a barbarian dip. And the nice. reason you barbarian dip is because you want to cosplay as a werewolf. That's what it is. Yep. You want to pretend to be a werewolf, you turn into a wolf or a bear, you rage, you are resistant to regular weapons, just like werewolves are, and if you want to do this in Curse of Strahd, everyone's going to lose their mind. So (laughs) it's super, super fun. Rage, resistance to damage, greater armor class, you can do that with Mug as well, and it's a little bit better, but Barbarian's more fun. Mm -hmm. The only thing that is more straight-up fun than turning into a bear with uh, a letter opener and still doing 3d6 damage i'm sad to say a rogue dip like that's the only thing that's more fun than that good rogues oh they're so good i love that yeah the circle of the moon so yeah as you said this is where you get the most out of the sort of the wild shape stuff we've talked about obviously the elemental wild shape and yeah a thousand forms just the way to be able to use your sort of like the magic to alter your physical form it's just it's so beautiful i just think all of it is really good and yeah so when you're at level 20 you can go to challenge rating six in terms of the level of creatures you can go to which i think is just oh, brilliant as because again because people worry about like oh i don't necessarily want to be an eagle i want to be something better and it's like yeah here you go open it up to a whole beastry of stuff like you could be a dinosaur you could be you know a, a sea serpent of some sort oh. you could be actual dinosaurs who doesn't want to do that like you know you can leave your rogue and your fighter at the pub who cares like now you're a giant <laughs> and you're smashing you just don't want anyone with you, Dee. That's what you're just a solo <laughs> druid at this point. It's like, I don't need a party. I've just got me and nature. That's what's happening here. Uh, I, no, I, 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 want, I want a party, but you know, there, there is a lot of versatility with druids. You can do some absolute bonkers things. So the Circle of the Moon is in the player's handbook. Then the other one, I believe, is in the player's handbook is land. Yes. And this one, it just opens up to a more spells. And what I quite like about this one is that it talks about like specific land where you come from. So again, it goes into the background a bit more. It's like, well, if you come from, if you are a druid, druid of this particular region, you get spells of this one. And yeah, they're all, again, looking at all the different, uh, I think there's like six different sort of regions that go from Arctic to the Underdark and all that sort of thing. But again, it opens it up to be like, oh, so you had these flavoured spells for you know for what you need to but also i'm just like oh what's it what's it like being a druid from the arctic like yeah. i'd love to see that you know uh or from the coast or from the desert and, and the underdark again a beautiful world of the possibilities there with like you know sort of possible demons in the abyss and and you know all that sort of thing so i'm just like oh actually it's it's now you're opening it up to just a lot more flavorsome stuff for the world as well so i was I, that that's why i quite liked about the the land stuff from what i can see as well there wasn't anything else from it it's was just more spells 
and land stride as well. So you, you can move through non-magical, difficult terrain. It doesn't cost you as much. And there's a few other little bits and pieces, but I just, it just, I think it just opens up to spells compared to uh, Wild Shape, which is what the moon does. It's very much the kind of reshape, reshape the, the land around you version of the wizard kind of yeah. deal, which is super fun. And as I said, you can use that to your and your party's advantage in a huge way. That's when having a, a good party around you is really helpful because you can absolutely skew everything mm-hmm. into a place you want to be. But if you do want to be a bit of a dickhead, then I would direct you to Nature Sanctuary because mm-hmm. the next time everyone drops into a pit full of snakes and your rogue or bard is like, there's always snakes, I hate snakes. You're just chilling. Like, they're not going to, they're going to go for easier targets than you. And Mm -hmm. it's not only is that fun, but it's also just great flavor. You can walk by treants and they're like, "Mm, I I feel nervy about this. Mm -hmm. You can walk by giant snakes or, you know, giant bats. And they're like, "Mm, maybe not this one. It just gives you that real Radagast feel of being part of the world. Absolutely, yeah. So yeah, well, creatures of the natural world sense your connection and become hesitant to attack you. So whenever a beast or plant tries to attack you, they must make a wisdom saving throw against your druid save spells DC and on a fail, it must choose a different target or automatically misses. That's at level 14. That's insane. That's literally, that could be quite a lot of monsters at that point. Uh, you know, beasts, it's just oh, amazing. Level 14 is just such a low level to get that, I think. I feel that's a later one, but Maybe it's maybe it's just beasts and plants, I guess, but ah, still a good one. Like in fifth edition, folks have really rationalized down the number of categories of creatures there are. So mm. beasts and plants are a huge chunk of your monstrous manual type situation. That's pretty wild. That's pretty powerful. I don't know if it's, you know, elemental wild shape powerful, but it's still yeah. pretty, pretty great. So there's seven circles in total, so we've got two there from uh, Player's Handbook. The other ones have come from Xanathar's and Tasha's. Have you played any of those ones at all, Dee? Yeah, I've played Wildfire and I've played Spores. Wildfire is really fun from a theme and feel perspective, because everyone expects you to be like, oh, you know, druids hate fire, but fire is a real important part of a lot of natural cycles. There's, you know, there's a, there's a lot going on there, so you can really use you know, the balance of nature in your presentation, even before you get to, you know, the vengeance of the wood and all this kind of deal. The spells that you get as bonuses are a really interesting mix because mm. they're almost completely, I'm going to burn everything down and healing spells. Yeah, and fire's always With- like that, though. Fire's always about sort of the healing yeah. aspect of it, isn't it? Yeah. It's a super fun combo of having, I mean, the level 10 ability is called Rising Flames, which really leans into that. And it gives you the ability to either heal or damage so I, I really like this written into the rules. Wildfire Spirit, folks will be familiar with uh, from Fern from Critical Things Andrew Unlimited, mm-hmm. um, because like Mister the the Fire Monkey from that is pretty iconic and it's pretty pretty solid. With that Wildfire Spirit as well, it's it, this because uh, obviously it's got a stat block as well. You know, very simple, straightforward. What I quite like is the fiery teleportation that they do. So, yeah. where well, you could, you know, you it's a basically like a thunder step sort of thing. You it takes you and anyone it wants to, and then it you know it causes a big fire explosion as it leaves. I don't we don't see that often enough. I think that's a great little action it can do, and you can do it as yeah as an action. It's real short range is the thing about it. Mm. Um, that can be enough, you know, to get you over a wall or to get you through a grate. Plenty of utility there, even though it's only 15 feet. You yeah. You've got to be able to see it. Um, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a get out quick thing, yeah. It's just, you know, if you're being dogpiled by whatever nasty your gym is throwing against you, fairy teleportation will sort you right out. Yeah, looking at the other ones as well, I can't say it. Is it, is it caustic? Causing the... Yes, that one. Causing uh, things. Suppressing flames. Uh, so yeah, well, you could turn death into magical flames, and so you can have this sort of almost spectral, sort of flavoursome thing. And then when a creature enters that space, you can use it to hurt or to heal, which I quite like. That's quite a nice little flavoursome thing with the fire stuff. The blazing revival as well is that the old fire spirit can save you from death. So you know, you could, if you are reduced to zero hit points, you can cause a spirit to fall to zero hit points, and then you regain half your health and then stand back up, which I think is pretty cool, pretty badass. Let's not forget, druids get d8 hit points. So and you've probably got decent con as well. Or at least you can do so that coming back to half hit points thing is pretty like you know let's let's just go so the minute the else is felled you're you're back up and running really that's the wildfire one the other one you said it was spores that you had to go out what was spores like for you it's super fun so i played a goblin a goblin circle of spores druid the there's, there's two different things it really gives you. And one of them is just the thematic is really lovely because as much as people understand, you know, 
the wood and you know creepers and your vines and your plants and everything all of the fungus stuff is is just again a bit more a bit more alien and a bit outside of that so it immediately puts you even further away from the rule of law mm. and how people expect the world to go there's an old there's an old tumblr meme with uh, someone pointing a gun at a mushroom um and the <laughs> the dialogue between the two the person holding the gun is like you know tell me the name of your god you fungal piece of shit and the mushroom's like can you feel your heart burning? Can you feel the struggle within? The fear within me is beyond anything your soul can make. You cannot kill me in any way that matters. And then cocks oh. the, the gun and is like, I'm not fucking scared of you. Like, just, <laughs> it really brings in that thing where mushrooms are just beyond. They are longer lived than most things we understand. They're bigger and part of different ecosystems than we understand. Mm-hmm. They're really outside of of how we think life works mm-hmm. and the spell list kind of reflects that yes there's a lot of weird life and death stuff mm-hmm. there's a, a animate dead which is so easy to flavor in a beautiful way here mm-hmm. you've got blight you've got confusion you've got gaseous form you've got blindness deafness gentle repose chill touch cloud kill contagion there's all of these real game-changing spells mm-hmm. that function on that boundary of of how does the game work how do we consider combat and the kinds of things we want to do so it really leans into that not just otherworldly but like supernatural kind of vibe i definitely see that the supernatural vibe is so strong in this one this idea yeah there's beauty and decay and the, mm-hmm. the great cycle of life and death it's all just carries on and i just it feels almost like alien in a way and yeah it, it talks about this this there's a complex relationship with the undead. But then, yeah, you could easily, like, later on you have, like, fungal infestation, so you can infect a corpse and animate it. So if somebody has died uh, within 10 feet of you, you can use your reaction to animate it to cause it stand back up and to use the zombie stats and just have an army, essentially, slowly but surely, of people just... I'd, I'd love that. I love that. And, yeah, there's the spreading spores and the symbiotic entity. Like, I was writing down stuff. I, I would see it as almost like a Venom-type character that you would yeah, have yeah. to talk to them and role-play them because that sounds bloody cool and just like we are hungry it's like no it's like oh <laughs> but, chocolate. but it's and just yeah covered in sort of mushrooms as well. like i know some people don't like mushrooms and they don't like fungi but then they're they're, uh, they're not fun guys aren't they oh, uh, oh. So on fungal infestation and the yes. double fungal body fungal infestation is super fun from a role-playing perspective because nothing will confuse the hell out of your clerical paladin like a zombie that isn't actually undead they will not be able to process the fact that this isn't a monstrosity from beyond the grave that's entirely unnatural. In fact, the reverse is true. This is a whole bunch of plants cooperating to have a vehicle that they can motor around in. And all of their preconceived philosophy about it's totally inaccurate. Mm. So that's wonderful. Uh, and then fungal body kicks in at 14th level. I'm just going to list this off because it's it's wild. You can't be blinded, deafened, frightened, poisoned, and any critical hit against you counts as normal hit instead, unless you're incapacitated. That, so the yeah. implication is that your anatomy is totally swapped out. Great. Super good. Yeah. Flavor, incredible. Crunch, wonderful. <laughs> yeah, I, that that last bit of that sentence, uh, you know, it's just, you know, just a normal hit. You're like, what? Because it's just so frustrating as a DM. You're like, yes, finally. Oh, <laughs> it doesn't work. It doesn't happen at all. There's so much flavor you can have with the with the spores, circle of spores. I, I think if I was going to play a druid, I would love to mess with that one. I think that would be really, really cool. The other one I've not played, but I've seen I've seen played really well. There's, again, another Dimension 20 thing with uh, Murph's Circle of the Shepherd Druid from Unsleeping City. And that seems like a huge amount of fun, especially if you want your DM to absolutely hate you, because it's a summoning <laughs> class. And everyone knows summoning Rex uh, yeah. action economy just entirely. And Five E's done a real good job of trying to limit that and make it a bit more chill. But it's really hard when Mighty Summoner gives you magical weaponry for all of your summons, and they've got more hit points, and you've buffed them with the totem. Yep. You were talking earlier about having a you know a one person army, and I, I'd like that's less doable with the reanimate from Circle of Sports. It's very doable with Circle of Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah the, the Mighty Summoner. This idea that you you're getting these spirits from the forest, and you know you can have three different ones like Bear Spirit, Hawk Spirit, uh, Unicorn Spirit, and then it just goes up and up and up, and it leads up to that that 
faithful summons that if you are reduced to zero hit points or incapacity as you are, you can immediately give, gain the benefits of conjure animals, get these sort of, you know, as if you were casting a ninth level spell slot, uh, which summons four beasts of your choice that appear within 20 feet of you. If they receive no commands from you, they protect you from harm and attack your foes. Yeah. How bloody cool. It's like, okay, four bears, let's go. It's just like, but they're ready but, to protect no. you. But the thing you mentioned earlier is really relevant here. So it says bear spirit, hawk spirit, unicorn spirit, but you can reflavor those pretty much any way you like. And again, and Sleeping City is a very urban setting. So one of them is a cockroach. One of them is a pigeon. Um, <laughs> if you want to look at, you know, the different ecosystems listed in Circle of the Land, although this is a different circle, mm-hmm. you can absolutely think about what your spirits would be if you were from those places mm-hmm. and retheme. I'm sure most, most games are going to be very keen very happy for you to be like uh, you know my my bear is is actually a whale spirit or mm. my hawk is is a, a large albatross yeah exactly and it just keep the same sort of flavors and so yeah the bear spirit gives you temporary hit points the uh hawk gives you uh, i think it's like advantage on attacks which is great and perception checks as well and then the unicorn one is like lindsay protection so it gives advantage on abilities to checks to detect creatures in your spirit's aura which is pretty good and yeah if you cast a spell Using the spell slot that restores hit points to any creature inside or outside the aura, each creature of your choice in the aura also gains hit points. So it's like brilliant. So you just share the love essentially. Which I love. Yeah, it's it's a real it's a real good time when you want to put a lot of critters between you and your party. So the final two then are dreams, the circle of dreams, and stars, I believe. I want. I want. I do have some experience. I say I have some experience uh, with the Circle of the Dreams one because so I've I've been in a game with a, someone who has played the Circle of Dreams one. So it's very much very Feywild like. This idea that these druids are trying to fill the world with dreamy wonder and sort of their magic mends wounds and brings joys to downcast hearts. So instantly, again, maybe a different flavor. It's maybe a little bit fluffy, perhaps. But I like this idea that they are. It's that Feywild like charm and everything's so sort of chaotic and emotional from that. Uh, you get something called Balm of the Summer Court, which is like basically a lay on hands sort of pool, but with, I think it's D6s. D6 is equal to your druid level, which you can give within 120 feet of you, which is pretty good. Like again, quick tap here and here for your other players. The half of the moon and uh, half of the moonlight and shadow, uh, it's like pass without a trace essentially, but if you're staying still, so you're sort of covered, which is brilliant effect actually, quite like that. And hidden paths, again, it's almost like a, you'll be able to move into a, a teleport up to 60 feet to an unoccupied space, which is pretty good. Or you can move a, a friend of yours for 30 feet as well. And then Walker of Dreams, again, a beautiful flavor some on this one, where it's just like, when you finish a short rest, you can cast one of the following spells, again, spells, but it includes teleportation circle. So this idea, instead of opening a portal to a permanent teleportation thing, you can go to the place you last long rested on the same plane of your existence, which is great. I think if it's something that you're like, we need to get out of here, but we need to, you know, can we get back home? We don't have to trek all the way back from the top of the mountain. Hang on, let's rest here boom, fast travel away, you know, which I quite like. I thought, I thought that was a quite a nice way of using uh, Teleportation Circle, which is not like, um, yeah, you could just use one of the spells without losing the spell slot. It's a quite nice uh, escape rope, I thought. When I was saying earlier that some kind of your job as a druid is to think large scale is to be like, and then what? Like, what's the consequences? Mm-hmm. Of uh, Circle of Dreams really takes that up onto the kind of the cosmic Probably starts taking up. We'll talk about stars in a minute, but starts taking up onto like the bigger mm-hmm. scale where you're you're looking at kind of the interconnected nature of things and yeah. you know, how how stuff's linked together with fey paths and you know I can't help but think that teleportation circles are gonna you're gonna have like trees or dolmen or some oh, okay. kind of signifier around that stuff mm-hmm. um, and that that like bonus action just spread around healing is so good it's so good it's just literally a quick top up here here and here and obviously yeah it goes up every time you do an uh up to your druid level so you i think in the end you get 20 d6 i guess pretty pretty good to have just to again spot check people i've gained the benefit of barbers of a court and it's been great (laughs) it's like a quick top up in battle real game changer really is really is and then finally um I, I love the concept of this one, the stars, circle of stars. So this idea that you you draw on the power of starlight, and this idea that you are looking up to the heavens and you're tracking that in some way. Because obviously, yeah, they, whilst it's about environment, you know, druids and nature and stuff like the, the sky uh, and the night sky, the sky at night, um, is such a good way of looking at it. 
<laughs> Sorry, this guy died. Um, and just the idea that you're keeping records of constellations and all that something, and that you get a fucking star map. I mean, you could get that anyway, but I'm just like, that's so cool just to have that as a as a, a role-playing flavor thing, and just like you can cast various spells with it and spell casting focus and stuff. And and then there's a little table that tells you what it looks like, and it's not just a scroll, it could be a disc, it can be a crystal that you put it on a light. So yeah, I I, I quite like the star map. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful and I, if you've seen look at like old star maps they've got these these beautiful kind of circular designs with lots of the chinese ones are like you know gold and white and they look absolutely stunning you look at the more recent ones and you've got bits and pieces you can mm. you can move around to get different different versions of constellations and obviously you can go weirder and wilder with that it's such a lovely item just to build it around mm-hmm. and then um you were guiding vault which is great Use the starry form is is just super. I love, I love so, yeah. So you expend a use of your wild shape to take on a starry form that rather than transform into a beast, you regain your same game statics, but you uh, your body becomes luminous, your joints glimmer like stars and a crossing line. So you are a constellation. That's very cool. You get the three sort of the three sort of forms of it. But again, as you sort of mentioned before with the previous one, that you, you can change these well because it's like archer, chalice, and dragon. Um, <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. I wonder which one we should go for, dragon. Um, but you can flavor it so it's different constellations each time. Maybe add. I think this one I can imagine you can properly like tweak it and add different things because you could just be like, oh, you can have the plow or or a better one than the plow. And then you have Cosmic Omen, though. Again, I really love this idea. Where, so you, when you finish a long rest, you can consult the star map, as you do, and you roll a die. And on an evens, when somebody is about to make an attack saving roll or the ability check, you can use your reaction uh, to roll a d6, add it to the total. Always good. For an odd, whenever you see a creature who's about to make those things, you can use your reaction to roll a d6 and subtract that roll. And you can use this as a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus. I think that's quite cool. Like it's something that changes each time. So you maybe have to just, I mean, I don't know as a DM, maybe I'd make them pick if they wanted to, but I just like that idea going, oh, I'm going to see what I'm going to, ooh, whoa, all right. Watch out enemies. You're all going to get minuses on your attack rolls. The thing I love about this so much is because it calls to mind like your divination wizard or different bits of the bard spec. Mm. But it doesn't feel like either of them. No. Because your divination wizard has a specific number that you can replace out, it feels very academic. It feels very like, let's run the numbers on this. feels very intellectual almost, like mechanic works as well. And the druid, sorry, the bardic inspiration, it mm. feels very much like, you know, giving one of your patches a wink and a, a wink and a finger guns. And it feels like, yeah, you can do this. So like, I don't think so, pal. It feels like it leans into this, into banter. This isn't like either of those things. No. This feels very much like grabbing hold of the fabric of the universe and like today is not your day. <sighs> yes, absolutely. It is, it is like twisting it ever so slightly and beckoning like the, the fates as it were to change. And yeah, 100%. And then the final stuff, so you've got Twinkling Constellations, which just improves all those different sort of star forms you can have. And then full of stars while you're in your starry form, you become partly incorporeal, giving you resistance to bludgeoning, piercing and slashing damage. Cool. Right. Oh, awesome. Bro, like, that's phenomenal. Why wouldn't you want that? Just the Twinkling Constellations thing, mm-hmm. because the thing that we didn't mention earlier is the Archer damage is all Radiant damage. Yeah. And uh, you can do that as a bonus action every turn while you're in that form, which lasts for 10 minutes, which yeah. means you're just stringing around, keep peering out any zombie skeleton or anything. You can step up to Strahd and give him a really bad day because every turn is Radiant Damage Day. We've sort of done a whistle-stop tour of all of the Druids. Is there anything you want to improve, Dee, at all? I mean, Druids are a really strong class. Everyone knows it's a really strong class and it does a variety of jobs really well. Mm-hmm. I think there's scope for more circles. It has less subclasses than I think most of the other classes do, maybe because it's already pretty strong. I think there's real scope to build out a handful of other things that lean into this sense that the world is like bigger and less caring than people give you credit for. And if I were to do that, I would, again, you know, I love indie RPGs and I would look at, say, you know, Into the Weird and Wild is is one I would probably pick up mm-hmm. and, and look out for that. But also there's some real world stuff you can go and do other than just, you know, 
going on tour when our pandemic situation has improved. Um, I'd recommend anyone goes to any of the big fire festivals in Edinburgh if they've mm. got access to that. So Beltane and Sarayan are both incredible examples of how a modern community is has kind of reinterpreted and is, is performing again kind of timely seasonal rituals. And once you've been to one of those things, you can easily translate that into where you want to go with with your D&D Druid. There's, a, there's so much to take inspiration from on this stuff, and there's so many different places to go with it. I think the only way you can really improve on what you've got in front of you, the stuff we've been talking about for the last mm. little bit, is just have a really good conversation with your DM about Agreed. What, what they want from their world building, what their natural world looks like, if they do want any weird druidic conspiracies, if they want standing stones everywhere, uh, and how you can lean into that and really make it work with your druid character. My eyes have been open to like, oh man, you can do so much with druids. Whereas before it was like, oh God, you could do so much with druids. Uh, <laughs> um, and I think, yeah, I, I actually would be excited to have to have someone who wants to play a druid like in uh, the ground floor when world building and having that sort of conversation about like, okay, what is there loads of? What isn't there loads of? Like, what are the regions and stuff? And just even coming up with like, I don't know, three basic druid clans or groups and talk, you know, do they interact? Do they keep themselves completely separate? It was actually four in the beginning and one of them has completely disappeared off the map. Uh, and just, uh, you could, yeah, and the fact that you can go so far in terms of tone from the super serious stuff to almost like a Terry Pratchett style, like uh, elusive brotherhood sort of thing would be amazing as well. So yeah, I, yeah, so much, so much you can do with Druid. So I feel, oh, gonna find a game where I can play a Druid now and just properly try it out. And don't be intimidated. Like there is a lot there. Yeah. Learn by doing and Look. you'll not go wrong. Oh, Dee, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for talking us through all about the Druid stuff. I've actually had a, I've, I've actually had, I've, I knew I was going to have a good time. No, no, actually, yeah. fuck that. I know. <laughs> uh, what about you? Where can we find your stuff? Are you doing any writing? What, what's what's new with you? Is there anything you'd recommend as well? If it wasn't stuff you wanted to promote, but is there something that you'd recommend? Perhaps a TV show, a book, a film? If you're in the Druidic mood, I would absolutely recommend Yellow Jackets. It's a phenomenal TV show. The writing's incredible. It is a bit spooky, but it doesn't it doesn't rely on kind of the jump scares or like too much gore. You can have a you can have a good time with it. So I'd really recommend that. I am this is terrible. I am genuinely stoked about the Radiance Citadel stuff. Like when that uh, the fact that it's a, it's a whole book that's almost entirely produced by Frags of Color, bringing you know cultures that they call home into the game that feels like a sea change to me and it feels really important mm-hmm. um i'm really stoked about that so please go pre-order that because the more people do that the more wizards and co will make books like that and i want yeah. to see, i want to see more of that stuff unfortunately i've gone back to school for some stuff so i've suspended uh, a lot of my online bits and pieces but i have a creative project with fiona which you'll be hearing more about in the future fingers crossed yep uh, yeah, I think that's that's probably all for me for now. But next time I'm on, I'll have more for, more for, for you to talk about. I love that you're going to come on next time. I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I, I shouldn't bother asking. You're just going to appear in my Zoom room. <laughs> it's like, oh, hi, Dee. Oh, I guess I guess I'm here now. <laughs> and just to finish off, yes, I, uh, Fiona, um, of What Am I Rolling? Uh, who? I'm Fiona of What Am I Rolling? What? Yeah, What Am I Rolling? It's a podcast about RPGs. Where? Yes. <laughs> Why? Um, and, yep, yeah, it's going very well. Ow. Got a few... How? This, all right, there's too many questions now. Enough. Uh, <laughs> no more questions. Where you can find it at um, all the different places where you listen to podcasts. It's all about RPGs and different one shots and everything like that. You can get an offer code at uh, Third Space Gaming. If you type in the offer code DMPC into checkout, you get 10% off. Uh, maybe you could do your pre order of the Radiant Citadel there. Who knows? Yeah. That'll be fun. Until that, then, thank you so much for listening, and we'll speak to you. See you, hear from you next time. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.